Good morning. This Sunday is, as is obvious, Palm Sunday. There's palms everywhere, which is great. There's so many things we could comment on this morning that have happened already in this worship hour. I think the, uh, for me, it, it is especially exciting to have a youth band leading us in worship. And I just, yeah. The giftedness of, of these young people and their willingness to share it with us is an awesome thing. Today is um, actually is a day that is celebrated in two ways throughout the church, throughout the world. Palm Sunday, it's called the day that we remember that Jesus came in triumphantly into Jerusalem. We've been reenacting that and talking about that this morning. But today is also has another name, and that name is Passion Sunday, because it's, it's the first day of Passion Week, where we really turn the corner and we remember the fact that Jesus suffered for us, and we center, on, center our minds on what that means for our lives. And I would like us, in this time now, as we look to the Word, to turn that corner and We've had Palm Sunday up until now, but I think we also need to have Passion Sunday this morning. So that's where I'm going to be going with this message this morning. We're going to look at a passage that is uh, in the Gospel of Mark that really describes that. But first of all, I'd like to say it's possible to learn a lot from people who have suffered for what they believe. And the literary word, world especially has paid close attention to what gifted writers have created while under lock and key. Take, for instance, Letters and Papers from Prison by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, written while he was a prisoner of the Nazis. It's not widely known that Bonhoeffer was basically a non-entity. People didn't know about Bonhoeffer until what he wrote from prison was published in those letters and papers, and then people started to read his books after that. The letter from the Birmingham jail, written by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., became a rallying point for, a, a rallying document for nonviolent resistance to racism that helped give the civil rights movement its impetus in the 1960s. Consider also the novel A Day in the Life of Ivan Desenovich, completely written and then memorized by Alexander Solzhenitsyn while he was imprisoned in the gulag. And while, when Solzhenitsyn was finally able to write it down and publish it, the reception was overwhelming, and the novel garnered him the Nobel Prize. It's considered to be the most powerful indictment of the USSR's gulag system and the Stalinist repression during that time. All these were written by those who were arrested, jailed, imprisoned. Many have been arrested, but few 
have been arrested in spite of their innocence. And even fewer aspire to greatness while under arrest. One of those from whom we can learn the most by looking at the events surrounding the time of his arrest and his interrogation is Jesus Christ. We've been tracking with Jesus during his passion, learning from him, looking for ways on his road to the cross when that road intersects with our road. So I'd like us to continue doing that this morning, and I'd like us to turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. So if you have a Bible there, please open it. In fact, you do have a Bible there because maybe you brought one with you, but there's also lots of them in the chairs out there. So it's good to open a Bible and to follow along and to keep it open during the rest of the message. Mark 14, starting at verse 53. Listen for the word of God. They took Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests, the elders and the scribes were assembled. Peter had followed him at a distance right to the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards, warming himself at the fire. Now, the chief priests and the whole council were looking for a testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many gave false testimony against him, and their testimony did not agree. Some stood up and gave false testimony against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. But even on this point, their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Have you no answer? What is that? What is it that they testify against you? But he was silent and did not answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, Why do we still need witnesses? You have heard this blasphemy. What is your decision? All of them condemned him as deserving death. Some began to spit on him, to blindfold him and to strike him, saying to him, Prophesy! The guards also took him over and beat him. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she stared at him and said, You also were with Jesus, the man from Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I do not know or understand what you're talking about. And he went out into the forecourt. Then the cock crowed. And the servant girl on seeing him began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. 
Then after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to curse, and he swore an oath. I do not know this man you're talking about. At that moment, the cock crowed for the second time. Then Peter remembered that Jesus had said to him, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. The gospel of the Lord. Father, we bow before you today asking that you will bring your divine word to us, Lord, because no mere mortal word will do this morning. We ask that you, Holy Spirit, will once again inspire these words that you inspired when they were written, but that you will inspire us in our hearing and our application of what we learn today, and we pray it through Christ. Amen. So we left off Mark's passion narrative last week with Jesus being anointed in the home of Simon the leper. Next, he and his disciples gather for the Last Supper, after which they go out into the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus spends hours in excruciating prayer while his disciples doze. <laughs> even though they've been asked to stay awake, until they are surprised by soldiers and thugs who arrest Jesus based on his betrayal by Judas Iscariot. Now he's hurried off into a, a, a midnight trial. And this is likely not a usual occurrence for the Sanhedrin, this group of religious leaders in Jerusalem. Notice that it happens late at night. I wonder why. There's no definitive reason to this uh, answer to this question. It's possible that being a holiday season, they, they had to act quickly in order to stay within the confines of Jewish law. Perhaps some of these leaders knew that they could get a quick quorum together of those who all agreed to get rid of Jesus while conveniently forgetting to tell the others who were maybe not as threatened by Jesus. We really don't know, but it happens late at night. But I want you to imagine with me this scene, an upstairs room in the high priest's home. Jesus is probably standing in the middle of the room. There's men all around. This room is stuffy, dimly lit by candles and smoking oil lamps. One of the people steps out of the shadows. One by one, they, they testify against Jesus. Eventually, after a seemingly endless string of people have had their moment on the witness stand, the truth 
has actually become more obscured than, than when it, they began this strange meeting. They're contradicting each other. And tempers are beginning to flare. People are tired. And the one in charge, Caiaphas, the high priest, he asks, perhaps in desperation, Jesus, what do you have to say for yourself? Are you the Messiah? And to everyone's surprise, he says, I am. And in answering affirmatively, he even used the words that are a title for God. I am. And then he goes on and he says, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. This is a quote from scripture. It's actually a blend of Daniel 7.13 and Psalm 110 verse 1. In responding this way, Jesus gives a clue not only to his real identity, but he turns the tables on what is really going on in this midnight trial. In other words, while everyone in the room may have thought that they knew who was playing the various parts in this courtroom drama, Jesus suggests that the judge, the ultimate judge, is present. And all that's happening is evidence for that final trial when the actions of this night will be judged by God. But Caiaphas, the high priest, misses the point of what Jesus just said and immediately asks for a sentence on this man who is clearly a blasphemer. So the inevitable conclusion is reached in this kangaroo court. Jesus must die. Then we have verse 65, which is an ugly scene spitting and hitting. Actually, it's pretty childish behavior when you think about it. <laughs> but this, this, this is high cruelty to treat Jesus this way, the best man who ever lived. They're spitting on him and hitting him. Meanwhile, there outside, out there is another trial taking place. And we are to notice this contrast between the trial inside the priest's home and the trial that's happening in the courtyard. The one outdoors is the trial of Peter's life and he is failing miserably. I'd like to focus on this trial for the rest of our time this morning. To focus on this decision Peter is trying to make. To focus on this argument that is taking place within him. It's an argument between faithful loyalty and the impulse to survive. Peter is a strong man. And perhaps the stronger the person, the more intense this kind of war will rage within. 
Here's how it happens. A servant girl recognizes Peter and points him out as the one who is with Jesus. Peter denies it, saying something like, Jesus? Nope, never heard of him. He then sulks off to the outer part of the patio. Somewhere a rooster crows. Then another time she says to those standing there, this man is one of them, pointing at Peter. Peter overhears her and says, uh, and denies it. Jesus? Nope. Never heard of him. Then a while later, another person says, hey, you're not from around here, are you? <laughs> you must be from up north. You're one of them. Peter calls down curses on himself, literally curses himself to death and denies knowing Jesus. Jesus? Nope. Never heard of him. And a rooster crows the second time, reminding Peter of Jesus' words that he would do exactly as he has done, deny Christ three times before the rooster crows twice, and this big, strong man collapses into a pool of tears. At a basic level, Peter is involved in a struggle here between good and evil. The good of doing what's right and the evil of taking total responsibility for saving his own skin. One way of saying this is that he struggles here with being true to himself. It's a test of his integrity, really, and he fails miserably. In his heart, there's no question. In his heart, he loves Jesus. He wants to be loyal. But his actions and his words are totally out of sync with his heart. I suggest to you this morning that on this road to the cross, we all find ourselves there at some point on trial for our faith, at odds with ourselves, taking a stand or denying. We all do. Denials take many forms. In most places where we live our daily lives, in the name of religious toleration, we perhaps wouldn't think of bringing up the subject of faith or to even talking about Jesus. Maybe it's just the fear of ridicule, being labeled as a fanatic by our peers or coworkers. But there's more to this than just identifying as a disciple of Jesus. There's, there's the matter of integrity, of being true to who you really are, as someone who knows Jesus. I mean, in the workplace, though co-workers may be, in essence, asking for answers to life's toughest questions, conversations all around us, we choose not to answer, not to speak up. In effect, saying, Jesus? Nope, never heard of him.
maybe in the lunchroom or in the cafeteria at school. One person gets up and leaves the table. You know what happens. Conversation turns ugly. Pointing out faults of the person who just left, maybe making fun, backbiting. Gossip is a disease. For you or me to say something positive about the, the absent person could be the antidote to stop the disease in its tracks. But we choose not to say anything. In effect, saying, Jesus? Nope. Never heard of him. Your spouse catches you off guard with an angry word. And in that split second, you can choose what to do. You know that to say nothing or to express loving concern would avert a major blow up. But instead you choose to verbally strike back. In effect saying, Jesus, nope, never heard of him. You see, life can be viewed as a series of trials. Some expected, but most sudden, unanticipated. Some trials even take place at midnight. The question is posed, do you know Jesus? Does he make a difference in your life? Are you willing to ask him what you should do? Will you be true to him? Will you be true to yourself? How will you answer? Join me in prayer. We come to you today, Father, asking for the grace to be tested and tried once again, even though we may have failed up until now. Lord, help us to see today in this coming week as opportunities to be faithful to Jesus instead of denying him. Even in those moments, Lord, when we are called upon to be generous with our resources of time and attention, our finances, our, our, our skills. Oh God, may we remember that each of those moments contains potential for redemption, potential for reconciliation. Lord, potential to be involved in your act of restoring what's been broken by sin in this world. Father, we pray that in this Passion Week, you will remind us of the way Jesus did not turn away from suffering and pain, but rather said yes to whatever you wanted. 
We thank you, Father, for the privilege of knowing Jesus. God, I pray that you would help me, that you would help us in those moments when we are tempted to deny knowing him in word and in deed. Help us, Father, to be faithful to you. Help us to be true to ourselves and the fact that Jesus lives within us, for we pray in his name. Amen.